Hello and welcome to the Get Online Podcast. I am your host, Stacey Keogh, and today's episode is going to be a repurposed webinar that I did with Small Business Britain and BT Skills for Tomorrow. For any of you that have tuned into the podcast for some time now, you will no doubt know all about the Content Waterfall, which is a repurposing methodology that we use here at my marketing agency, Brandlective. So I'm going to follow through on all of the things that I'm always speaking about and actually repurpose this webinar for you. Now, it is during recorded during the lockdown period, so you will hear all the mishaps uh, that go wrong and these sorts of things. And it's a little bit of dog barking um, in the background as, as I'm introduced. But this was such an awesome webinar that I had the privilege of running with a couple of hundred people actually on this episode listening. The feedback uh, since it's gone live has been incredible. So I really do hope you enjoy listening to this, learning all about disruptive marketing. Hello and welcome. My name is Michelle Ovens. I am founder of Small Business Britain and we are here today with lovely Stacey talking about digital marketing for disruptive bands, how you can create a bold brand identity and this is part of our fantastic skills for tomorrow program with bt uh, this is a great program uh, it's all completely free for you to learn digital skills and help your business and we know that's particularly important at the moment with the current situation with covid digital skills are really a massive lifeline for small businesses so we want to help you as much as we possibly can. So what I'm going to do to start is um, a quick video from the very lovely Karenz Jennings, who heads up the Skills for Tomorrow programme. And uh, so here we are, Karenza. Hello, and welcome to BT Skills for Tomorrow. My name is Karenza Jennings, and I'm BT's Digital Impact Director. I run Skills for Tomorrow. We actually set up the programme a few months ago, and it's designed to help communities all over the UK in different ways to develop their confidence online, and to develop their digital skills. Now more than ever, with COVID-19, it's really, really important that we're here to support you. We want to help you develop your confidence. We want you to help to help you reach your digital routes to market. We want you to help promote your products and services to your customers. And we really, really want you to succeed. We've put together this programme of webinars, which are completely free for you and for your, for your co-workers. We want to help inspire you to start using some of the collaboration tools that will genuinely help you save time and money and help you get your routes to market quicker. It's really important that you feel confident with digital tools and that you're able to communicate with your co-workers really effectively. Working remotely is a challenge for all of us. I'm working from home right now. It's a challenge for absolutely all of us. And you just have to adapt. You have to adapt really quickly and, and turn to valuable advice where you can get it. We've been talking to a huge number of small businesses ourselves through our partners, Small Business Small Business Britain, and also Google Digital Garage. We've been listening to the way that people are follow, um, facing all kinds of different challenges and problems at the moment. We're trying to respond rapidly with the types of help, advice and support that we feel is most useful to you. So we're starting with some key tools around collaboration, digital marketing, and also how to optimise your uh, business model we want to help you take your business online so that you can discover your customers and that they can discover you. It's really important as well that you open up communication channels with your customers. Now more than ever, it's the human side of business. That's what matters. And that's what we're trying to help you do. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to hashtag skills for tomorrow. 
I really hope that you learned something valuable. I hope you learned some good top tips and I hope you tell others about us. We're here to help you. It's BT Skills for tomorrow. Thank you. The wonderful Corenza Jennings. Um, so it is without further ado, we hand over to Stacey. Hello, Stacey. Can you hear me? Come in, Stacey. Hello. Yes, I can. So I'm going to hand over to Stacey now, who is going to talk you through the workshop today. Um, we will have time for questions as we go through. It's a chat box if you want to post some questions in. Kind of let Stacey get into her flow a little bit and we can pick up any other questions at the end. So Stacey, over to you. Hello. Yes, thank you. A huge thank you to Small Business Britain and to BT Skills for Tomorrow for inviting me to join this webinar today. And we're going to be talking all about disruptive marketing, how to cut through the noise and get noticed, really noticed. I'll begin today by talking a little bit about what is disruptive marketing. So it, it's much more than a buzzword. Uh, disruptive marketing is changing the way we react to, we understand, and the way that we accept companies and their advertising. We know that today, you know, our world is moving quicker than ever before. It's a moment where there's so much happening, there's so much noise, especially online, that we need to find ways of cutting through that noise and disrupting the timeline so that our audience actually, you know, we can grab their attention. So we're excited to be here today. A little about me. So I'm Stacey Keogh. I am the founder of Brand Light of Communications, which is a digital marketing agency based in London. And I'm also the author of a book called Get Online. Yes, that was actually released uh, almost a year ago, which is a, a year before the pandemic and before lockdown actually happened. And I would love to claim that I had predicted that everybody needed to be online. But the truth is that disruption has been happening for a long time and we have needed to be doing this for, for quite some time. So that's a little about me. One thing I do mention actually in the book is that there's an interesting fact from the World Economic Forum, which estimates that 65% of children currently entering primary school will have jobs that they that don't yet exist. So 65% of five-year-olds have will have jobs that don't yet exist. Let that sink in for a second uh, because it is a bit scary, but I'm a perfect example of this. I run a digital agency. We mostly focus on social media, content, marketing, and delivery. And that didn't exist when I was five years old. Didn't even exist when I was 15 years old. So we shouldn't be afraid of disruption. We shouldn't be afraid of digital and of change. It's something that we just need to accept. We need to get on board with it and we need to be kind of excited about it. Another phrase that you can see here on my screen that I've mentioned, I talk about in the book is one of my greatest fears, which is really that traditional businesses that operate solely offline will get left behind. So today we're going to be talking all about how to be disruptive, how to grab attention, because that is not what we want to see happen. We want to see you all survive and thrive and do amazing things online. So that's the question, right? How do you stand out from the crowd? Now that we are all online, because we're being forced to be, industry, you know, industries that have never embraced digital before have always worked either a shopfront or retail, had commercial space, have now been forced to actually figure out how do we add a revenue stream that is digital, that is online for survival, right? The challenge with that is that there's so much noise. Everybody is online. So how do you even set up from the crowd? If you're a really small business, you know, you do the same thing as a bunch of other businesses. How do you stand out? Here's a quote from Richard Branson describing what is disruptive marketing. So he says, disruption is all about risk-taking. 
trusting your intuition, rejecting the way things are supposed to be. Disruption goes way beyond advertising. It forces you to think about where you want your brand to go and how to get there. You'll see up on my screen now, I've got a, a bunch of logos that you will recognize, right? You can see Instagram, Facebook, Visa, Shell, Amazon, Twitter, BMW, Starbucks, Mitsubishi, Coca-Cola, Samsung. These are all brands that are household names. We recognize them. We can recognize them from just their logo. We don't even need to see the name. That is how powerful they are. What can we do as small businesses to obtain that level of recognition? and to be that memorable that we make a lasting impression. Today, I'd like to talk, start off by talking a little about some really well-known disruptive marketing campaigns that you will be aware of. And then I'm going to take you through a few examples of how small businesses can replicate this methodology around disruption. So first brand I'd love to speak about today is Dove. We all know Dove's Real Beauty campaign where we see lots of um, diversity, women of all shapes and sizes. Um, and that's just an expectation we have in 2020 from skincare brands, from beauty brands, right? This real beauty. But the truth is that Dove were actually complete game changers in this. They were the ones leading this uh, messaging from the front. This campaign, the real beauty campaign came out in 2006 which was a major risk take back then. This was nothing that had been done before. We're used to being seeing you know, beautiful models used across all skincare and beauty brands. And this was just crazy. I remember when I first saw it, it was shocking. It was one of these things where it was like, whoa, oh my God, that really did get my attention because actually these women are human. <laughs> They're more like us. So it was very, very disruptive for them to do it. And the reason I, I love this brand is that they weren't afraid of it. You know, they really just embraced it. Uh, and today, actually, we can see that, that today, you know, the commitment that we expect from beauty brands to represent real women is has completely changed. And that is all down to this disruptive campaign that Dove actually ran. So I love it. I think it's a perfect example of disruption. The other brand that you can now see on my screen is Patagonia. And Patagonia, I love, they have this incredible initiative that they ran called Don't Buy This Jacket with an image of their, their, their product. So the reason this was amazing to, to watch is that when in the history of time have you ever seen a brand or a company that wants you to buy less from them? It's a bold message. Do not buy this jacket. The reason it was disruptive is they had a way of, of turning CTAs on the head. So the way that you think about a call to action, um, they really surprise their audiences rather than saying, this is why you should buy this jacket and this is why you should buy from us. They said, do not buy it. And it was a really, really strong message for defining their commitment to environmental impact. So they're very big on social impact, specifically about the environment, and that they don't think you should be purchasing products left, right, and center, that this is a, a, something you buy for life. So um, they're a brilliant brand for doing something disruptive. They've also got a campaign that they run, which is called Worn Wear. So you may have seen this where they rock up to a city center on a bus and they basically will mend anything that you want. So they will stitch buttons on, they will replace zips, they will stitch up holes in clothing. They essentially want to remove fast fashion. You know, they 
don't want that to be happening. They will repair any brand. It doesn't need to be a Patagonia product. You can just rock up there with whatever you have that needs mending and they will do it. How powerful is that? If you've never heard of them before and you can see that they are willing to do this because they care more about the environment than their bottom line, that gets your attention. And even with the campaign I just spoke about with regards to don't buy this jacket, that actually led to an increase in purchases from people because people love that, right? It's like, don't do this. Well, I want to. Who are you? Why are you saying this? Oh, what an amazing message that you stand for, this environmental impact. So I do want to buy that jacket. And actually, you know, even though that wasn't necessarily their intent, it actually had a really amazing financial reward and has done for, for years since then. The next brand I want to talk about is Singapore Red Cross. So um, this obviously very similar to the British Red Cross. Um, They went on, they ran this campaign where essentially they were looking for people to go and give blood. We all know that that's a good thing to do, that we should be supporting, you know, the NHS. We should be supporting our local communities by, by giving blood. That's something that, you know, is an expectation on society. How many of us do it? How many times have you been told in your life that you should do it? Probably many times. Um, you know it can save lives. You know that it's a, it's a positive thing to do for your environment, but actually very, very few people do it. So the Singapore Red Cross, they decided to change that really with this type of ad. And they called this Blood Ties. That was the name of the campaign. They sort of capitalize on young people's love of selfies and celebrities. And essentially they they had all of these local, or I shouldn't say local celebrities, but Singaporean um, celebrities, uh, the face of this campaign. So you've got these posters that are displayed across bus terminals, stations, you know, all in the public view. Uh, And you've got famous people. So you've got comedians, singers, you've got bloggers, all these different people that are, that resonate with Gen Z, who was their demographic for trying to increase the blood drive. And they've got these campaigns where you see this comedian and it says, I've got stand-up comedy in my blood. What's in yours? And you've got a famous blogger that says, I've got blogging in my blood. What's in yours? You've got this musician who's like, I've got music in my blood. What's in yours? And all of a sudden it shifts the way that the Gen Z demographic think about giving blood. Rather than being hassled to go in and do this, they're actually seeing people that they admire talk about how their blood is so much more than just blood. It's like who they are as an individual. Amazingly, you know, I thought it it was a brilliant campaign. The next campaign I wanted to quickly show you before we get into the tangible of like what you can actually do in your small business. This one's really new. This is a campaign I just spotted a couple of weeks ago. It's actually a collaboration. It's a collaboration between Kensington and Chelsea Council with Innocent Smoothies and then also a charity called Hubbub, which focuses on, it's an environmental charity. So the three of them collaborated it was basically the brainchild, I think, of Innocent Smoothies. Hopefully they've got their right Innocent Drinks. The catalyst for it basically was they wanted to use their talented writers and their designers to boost recycling rates in the community. So their headquarters are actually based in Kensington. You know, this is a, a local campaign that they wanted to help contribute to. And it's brilliant. It's essentially the way that uh, you can see it on my screen now. It's most wanted. So we, we sort of look at the Wild West. Like, So this is Kensington and Chelsea's recycling most wanted and you can see that there's a lineup of the you know you've got the orange juice carton the tins the the lids the paper all that kind of stuff but they've given them really quirky names um in this lineup and offered a reward the reward is saving the planet but you've got butch plasticky you've got juicy lucy which is the orange carton you've got the notorious tiny tin which is a tin can i think it's brilliant 
Billy the lid. And then there's a little note to say, you know, Billy needs to lose the lid. So when you're recycling, you're putting a a jar in the bin, always remember to remove the steel lid. It was a brilliant campaign to educate people on what could be recycled. Um, And it was a bit of a gamification, right? That is a, a really disruptive way to get the attention of your audience. Really playful campaign, really a a way to kind of cut through and get people really educated on recycling because that was the big challenge. They really just discovered that a lot of people just didn't know what should be going in their recycling. So love it. I thought it was great. So what are the key traits all disruptive marketing initiatives have in common? What makes something disruptive? Disruptive brands don't just push the envelope. They really crumple it up and they throw it in the trash can. It's one of these things that they're they're really not afraid to be daring, to break the status quo, to take risks, to generate buzz. They're not afraid of of doing that. So they're they're not concerned with potential backlash or comments or negatives that will come that way. And that's the tough thing for us as small businesses, right? That we're concerned with if we go out on a limb and we say something that's a little controversial, is that going to have a negative impact on my business? And actually... There's a lot of statistics to back up that that is not actually the case. So why should you be investing in disruptive marketing campaigns or thinking about doing something disruptive? There's three key reasons, I think. The first is customers talk about disruptive marketing. So if you can do something that is memorable, that cuts through, that's quirky, that's funny, that's polarizing, people talk about it. It's something that we tell our friends, you know, this recycling one that I spotted a few weeks ago, I then talked about it across all my social media channels because I thought it was brilliant. It's it's one of those things that we can't help but share with other people around us because it's got our attention, right? So that is a one key reason as to why you should be considering this. The second part of it is it can be really affordable. So I know I've just used a bunch of examples of huge global brands that have these massive budgets, but in just a moment, I will share with you how this can be done on a really small scale. And actually by having a very clear opinion and a really clear message or look or feel of a brand, you can actually cut down how much you're spending on your marketing because it's easier for your audience to actually understand because you've been very polarizing in what you've said. And the third part of it is it's easy to get behind when you've got a strong message. And when you spot a brand, if you're a consumer and you spot a brand that does something that's really interesting and grabs your attention, like you're more inclined to actually want to purchase from them because they've managed to capture your attention. You know, when we all see something quirky and funny and I had an email campaign come through the other day and I was like, obviously it was an email pitch, it was a sales pitch. Um, but their follow-up email honestly made me laugh out loud that I called them and I'm hiring them to do some partnership work with us. So it just goes to show how powerful copywriting can be if you do something that really, I don't know, breaks the status quo and kind of grabs your attention. Right, so let's move on to the four types of disruption. There are many more than four, but I wanted to keep this nice and simple for starters, especially if you're a smaller business and you don't have the big marketing budget, these are four ways that really you can implement straight away that will really capture the attention of your ideal prospects. So the first one is humor. If you can do something funny or witty or a bit quirky, something humorous, that is a way of disrupting and grabbing the attention of your audience. So the first one is humor. The second one is social impact. So we saw this when I talked about Patagonia earlier. If you've got a really strong environmental message, social impact message, that is a way to disrupt and help people to understand who you are as a business. 
The third one is a polarizing viewpoint. So I just mentioned this a little bit earlier. If you've got an opinion on something and it's not, you know, it's what somebody that everybody agrees with, actually, that's a really great way of, of cutting through and getting some attention. We saw this across, you know, we see this in politics all the time, right? When somebody has voted, whether somebody chose to vote Trump versus Clinton in the last election, obviously not the current election, you know that where they stand just by somebody saying I'm a Trump supporter or I'm a Clinton supporter. You, you, you kind of have an understanding of who they are as a person. So that gives you a, a good understanding of that individual. In the UK, we had Brexit, right? We're still going through that, but perhaps it's a little bit muddy now, but actually in the past, it was if you, you chose to remain or you chose to leave. And that told you something about that person. Historically, we've got things like the Stones versus the Beatles. It's a bit of a silly example, but you know, people are very passionate about that. Whose team are you on? And just by having a, a viewpoint and attaching yourself to something helps people to understand more about you. And then the fourth type of disruption is the brand. You know, it's the visuals, it's the, the tone of voice. Um, it's what your brand, you know, whether you've got contrasting colors or pops of things that are popping out everywhere, or is it black and white, monochrome, like some way that visually your brand looks to grab someone's attention, or maybe the language or imagery that you're using could also be done, um, you, a way of disrupting. So I want to give you some tangible examples of this, right? Because it's, it's all very well me saying, yeah, do something with humor or social impact or polarizing or with your brand, but you're like, what can I do? I'm a small business and I don't have the, you know, I'm not that creative or I don't know how to think about this. So I want to give you some tangible examples these are campaigns that we've worked across. Uh, we work a lot with small businesses. So it's about us being creative and cut through rather than spending a lot of money on these types of campaigns. So the first one I want to concentrate on is focusing on humor. Now, this is a roofing company. So they do roofing, replace roofing on um, conservatories. They do double glazed windows. So a very traditional, very offline business, um, you know, in the trades, could possibly be called a little boring. It's one of those industries where you just think, what the heck can I do to actually cut through and be different from every other, you know, double glazing and roofing company. So we decided to focus on, okay, what could we do to understand your audience? We understood their audience were roughly sort of age 40 to 45 year old women, often who are at home taking care of their children. They're the ones that are making the purchase decisions about, you know, this roof they want to replace or this double glazing in the conservatory to keep the heat in or to keep the cold out. Um, so that when so that was the audience, we thought, right, how can we make this roofing company, this double glazing glass company stand out from everybody else? What we decided to run with was some little funny, quirky gifts. So you can see here, my first example, you can see there's a baby licking a window, a little gif. And the tagline for that is, windows good enough to lick. Now, if you imagine the demographic is a stay-at-home mom and she's got her little kids running around and, you know, everybody's kids lick windows at some point, right? So it totally resonates with her. It's a bit funny, it's quirky, and you're just like, oh God, yeah, I definitely need to get my windows replaced. I remember this brand. The second example there you can see is a little clip from Mrs. Doubtfire, who we all love and we all know the movie, where she's, you know, sliding in and um, into the living room and sweeping. Uh, and the tagline for that was like, leave the cleaning to us. We provide conservatory cleaning and repair services that will sweep you off your feet. So again, thinking back to that demographic of the, you know, the, the mom at home who's just cleaning up all the time and just is, you know, has house embarrassment about this, you know, 
stains on her window or the um, humidity between the double glazing that she needs to get replaced. And it, this exactly this sort of call to action, this messaging cuts straight through and people get it. And the third example that we've used for this brand is a little bit of peeping Tom. So you can see a guy looking through the um, blinds, zooming in on his face and he's looking surprised with the tagline, did someone say half price roofing? And it's a little bit of a play on, you know, the peeping Tom, <laughs> which is a little bit, I guess, controversial in some ways it could be seen. But that's a way that, you know, a very ordinary business can actually do something quite fascinating that grabs the attention of their ideal prospects. Right. So the second example, social impact. I'm actually using my own company brand for this. Um, so you have to excuse this isn't a sales pitch, but it's really just an example of how as a really small agency, we can talk about social impact, obviously not in the, to the same level of the extent of Patagonia, but, but still have some pretty positive change. So many people may know that we run an initiative called One Million Days, where we plan to give One Million Days by 2030 in line with the United Nations Sustainable De Development Goals towards reducing inequality. So we're banging on that message all the time, right? We believe in reducing inequality. We believe in gender equality. It's just something that we think shouldn't be a thing. We shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be a consideration. We have to move towards equality. We should have equality. You know, I'm beating a drum all the time about this messaging. And there are two stories that I tell around this. One of which is that I think we all deserve to be seen and heard for what we do as businesses, no matter what size you are. And a, a part of that comes from, I actually suffered three redundancies during the last global recession. So 2007, 2008-ish. That was challenging, right? And But when I actually was returning and trying to get back into the workforce and try to actually get a job, what I realized was that the industry I had been working in no longer existed. I was working in corporate travel. It just didn't exist. It had reinvented itself online. So people didn't need corporate travel agents anymore. They um they just did it themselves. That was, you know, it's crazy to think that now, isn't it? It was only like 10, 12 years ago, but um, that was the reality. And the story that I tell around this is, that is my fear, right? My fear is that people don't evolve quickly enough to actually embrace digital. And then the other part of that is that brands aren't doing enough to progress and to show up. I actually found myself talking or interviewing with lots of other companies that were saying, oh no, well, we're not going to do the internet thing yet, or we're not going to do sell on the website yet. And I was like, oh my God, you guys are going to, you're going to get left behind. And I, that instilled fear in me. I'd had three redundancies from companies that hadn't had chosen not to embrace that. And I don't want to see anybody go through that. So that's a bit of my motivation as to why I think we need to help brands get online, to give them equal opportunity to compete with some of these bigger brands through digital. Because there's a whole spiel I could go on with regards to what digital can do for you on a small budget. But that's a key message I talk about. And I relate that into us helping small brands, getting the visibility I think they deserve and getting equal opportunity for business. The second story I tell around is around gender equality. Um, and that's obviously as a female-led business and the challenges that I face as a female um, a business owner and the remarks that are passed to me often about how I could even possibly know what I'm doing as a business owner and what sort of support do I get from my husband and I don't even have a husband so you know there's lots of things like that the messages that I will tell 
conversations I will have, particularly in female-led businesses, for example, business meetings, where I tell that short story and they can all relate to that. And I can say, this is why we care about equality. And actually every action in our agency goes towards something positive. So that's just a little way of how me as a very small business can still talk about social impact. I'm working towards something greater, but it gets the attention. It's a way of my digital agency standing out from every other digital agency, because let's be honest, marketing is, well, marketing is not marketing, but you know what I mean? When you're shopping around, it's hard to see the difference between agencies. So if I can talk about this as a passion of ours, this is our social impact. Do you want to be a part of it? It's a way of me standing out. Right. The third example, polarizing viewpoints. So this example is high definition you. Gitanjali Trevorrow Seymour, who's amazing. She's a leadership coach. And the statement that you can see here is ban the C word. And we use you know, language across all of her social activity around things like the dirty truth about the C word, which captures your attention, right? Because you're like, the C word, oh my God, what C word? And of course, she's talking about confidence. And that's something that it, but it still captures your attention. There's sort of like this polarizing viewpoint, ban the C word, the dirty truth about the C word. It really is one of those things that pulls you in and you're like, what is she talking about? And then quickly you realize she's talking about confidence and she will explain to you why she thinks the confidence is a bad word. So that's a really great way of not doing something super controversial, but having a view, having an opinion on something that isn't the norm. A lot of people would say confidence is actually a positive word. She disagrees and she will tell you why. And if you go through any of our content, that is very clear. So it's, it's how she disrupts. When you're scrolling through a feed, you see that messaging from her, you stop the scroll and you read, right? Because you're it's, it's captivating. The fourth example is the brand. So this is thinking about the look, the sound, the feel of your brand. So, you know, is it your color palette? where you've got a really interesting brand that captures the attention? Um, is it the language that you used? Are you using some, some shocking imagery that grabs your attention? Anything brand related can help you to stand out from the crowd. So example that I'm using here is a company called Blue Moose. They're a sales agency based up in Manchester, a very small business, and we helped them with the inception of this brand. And actually, we did things like we had this, you know, a moose designed, and then we did all of this research around moose and how they live in their current environment and the things that they're really good at and what do they eat and how do they, you know, reproduce and all this kind of stuff. It was, it was quite a fascinating campaign to work on. And then we related that back to the sales industry. And we talked about, you know, different parts of a business development program and which moose are you? And it was very sort of quirky and it's a really fascinating brand because if you read through any of the copywriting, it is really quirky and fun. There's a lot of puns. So for any of you pun lovers out there, this is a brand to look at. The more you read it, the funnier it becomes. And so it's just a, an interesting way that if you can, you know, capture the the visual captures your attention. If you get them to the point where they're actually reading through the copy, it's really engaging because it's quirky and, and funny. So um, we actually did some research where we interviewed, we did some market research sort of afterwards about the brand. And we actually found that 97% of attendees smiled when reading the copy. So that's a really nice way of evoking emotion, right? 97%, it's, that's a pretty decent rate. 82% were able to recall four stages of this company's business development program, which was called Which Moose Are You? Um, and that was down to, you know, the, the way it was described in the visuals. And 72% agreed 
they would contact the company over the five leading competitors. That's pretty impressive, right? And that's something, that's what a brand can do. And this is a really tiny business. They were in their first year, they'd not even hit a hundred thousand pounds in revenue. And the fact that they could actually cut through that significantly because of the brand is, is really impressive. So I just want to stress that, you know, this isn't about investing a lot of money in things. It's just about being strategic and not being afraid to do something a little bit different to actually stand out from the crowd. So four action steps to disruption, right? Here we go. Step one for you. So if you're thinking about one of these, these different sort of four um, types of disruption I'm talking about, these are the four steps you need to take to actually get to that point. So the first one, strong brand identity. Know who you are, know who your customers are, know what your USPs are. You have to be clear on your offer, right? That is the starting point. There's no point running any kind of marketing, let alone disruptive marketing, if that is not clear. The second thing, Determine which causes and issues resonate with your business. So this could be you as a business owner, or it could be as the business as a whole. What issues do you care about? What causes are you passionate about? Really getting clear on that is important. Don't worry too much about how do we tie it into the business yet. Just think about like, what's your big reason why? What are you trying to achieve here? The third one is find alignment with your customers. What do your customers care about? What are they? What resonates with them? What issues are they passionate about? So you've figured out what you're passionate about. What do they care about? Where's the alignment there? Because if you can tie those messages together, that's a really great starting point. And then the fourth point is understand that there will be divide, right? To do something disruptive means that it's not going to be accepted by everybody, right? And this is the biggest challenge, right? I speak to business businesses every day that are like, oh, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I don't want to say this because what if somebody writes a bad review or somebody comments on this and disagrees? I'm like, that's what we want. We want disruption. We want to go against the grain. Um, We want to be putting something out there that not everybody agrees with. That's how you get attention. You want people talking about you. And this is such an important thing for small businesses because it's how you get attention, right? If you offer something that is not different from anybody else, how does anybody know how to find you? Or how are they going to remember you? Even if they did spot your business, they walked past your business on the high street, or they saw your business on a social media platform, but they weren't quite ready to purchase. How are they ever going to remember you if you haven't said something bold that resonates with them, some had some kind of social impact, done something funny, like how are they going to remember who you are? We are blasted with messages every single day. I think over 3,000 messages a day each of us receive. So it's really important, especially in a crowded marketplace, especially if you've got a lot of competitors that do the same thing as you, to think about how can I do something disruptive? Let's move on to questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, please do post your questions. There's some been some really interesting comments that come up so far. There's a question about the best platform. That one came in quite early, so um, I'm not too sure what yeah. that one is about. But okay, I, I can actually go ahead. Yeah, you jump in on that one. Well, okay. So um, I get this question all the time, right? Which platform should I be doing my disruptive messaging on? Um, <laughs> the answer to that is wherever your customers are. <laughs> so big mistake lots of businesses make is choosing a platform they love. So it's like, I love using Pinterest and Instagram. So I'm going to use that for my business. Who are your audience? Who are your customers? Who buys from you? 
you have to understand who they are and you have to understand which platforms they're using to know what kind of marketing you should be doing, right? So it's never about us. It's always about them. Uh, we need to think about, you know, if nobody's sending them direct mail, do direct mail. If, you know, they're all on Facebook, then you need to be on Facebook. If they're all on LinkedIn, you need to be on LinkedIn. You just have to go to where they are. So I can't say any one particular platform, but it just completely comes down to your customer. Right. Hazel says, I was surprised to hear your view on polarizing stances. I have some personal values that are perhaps polarizing. And I've been careful to keep a lot of myself out of marketing. But you're the second business guru. You're a business guru, Stacey, uh, <laughs> to encourage injecting personality into marketing. And I think that's really interesting because, yes, but people buy from people, don't they? So personality is really incredibly important. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah. I get it. I know it's scary. I know that we don't all want to put everything out there about ourselves, but honestly, it's a noisy place out there, right? There's a lot of content coming through our feeds on social. We're getting blasted with thousands of messages every single day. So my view is if you don't have an opinion on something, you've got no way of getting the attention. You have to be bold. You have to be, you have to be okay with taking a little bit of a risk. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I've shared content where I think, oh, this, I shouldn't really post this. This is something personal. Like I posted something the other day about renovation of my house. And I was like, I shouldn't really do this because this is a business platform. And, you know, nobody wants to see that I've got a, a house that looks like a squatter house because I can't make a decision on what, how to paint the walls and what to do with the floors. But I thought, <laughs> I'll put it out there. And I can't even tell you the amount of engagement I got on that. And from not just my friends, I'm talking prospects. I've got clients that reach out to me and said, I cannot believe that you've been living this way and you haven't had me come in and help you. And I was like, oh God, okay. So, oh, you know, don't be afraid. just get out there. People <laughs> resonate with the weird and the wonderful. I do think that is the thing that small businesses can do so well that that is a real competitive advantage in bringing your personality into the brand in a way that is much harder for a larger business to do. And I'm all about taking advantage of any competitive advantage we possibly can right now. Definitely. Um, Gwen says, as a virtual assistant, it's really hard to stand out um, in marketing when it comes to saving clients time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite a common market. What would be your top tip for standing out from others here? Right. So for, the, for if you're a virtual assistant, this applies to any industry, right? Start with these four different types of disruption. There's many more, but I just wanted to keep it simple. So I guess if you're a virtual assistant, Gwen, you want to think about, okay, yes, I just do what every other virtual assistant does. That might be true, right, in terms of your actual operations. But what is going to get the attention of potential clients is either you personally, you know, is it that you can work in some kind of humor to the way that you you do what you do if you're you know kind of a funny quirky person what can you do that grabs the attention where that just really cuts through is there some kind of social impact you can build in is there a view that you can have on i don't know the specific sector that you focus in on can you do something with your brand that just really gets someone's attention so these four types of disruption are just a really good place to start i'm the same right i run a digital marketing agency there are thousands of us in london alone what do I do that's different from everybody else? I would love to tell you all my USPs. And, but the reality is like, we're all, we're all the same thing. It's you're buying into the type of messaging and, and our understanding of a business. And we all have the struggle. This is not a unique struggle for any small business or any large business for that matter. Um, so you've just got to choose some form of messaging, whether that's that we are going to be humorous and funny and do quirky things, or we're going to go social impact, or we're going to have this really polarizing view on this particular subject for this sector and just go for it. Like that's the best way for you to stand out from everybody else. 
That's super helpful. And actually, the next question, I think, is kind of in the same, it's sort of in the same vein. This is from um, uh, Bimpe. Hopefully, I'm saying your name right. I run a coffee shop. I'm wondering how I can go about disruptive marketing. And I think it kind of comes, but again, it kind of comes back to this. There are lots of coffee shops, but there's only one you coffee shop. So I guess yeah. thinking about the, the humor, uh, the social impact. Um, and any thoughts on coffee shops, uh, Stacey? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I've got a really good example of the coffee shop. So I've seen this presented lots of times before a friend of mine um, who really is focused on social impact does this very well there's a two coffee shops right beside each other one of they both sell coffee they both sell muffins one of which the, the easiest way to stand out first of all is brand right so what does your signage look like what does the the environment look like within your business that's a differentiating point but social impact i think is a huge part of it so there's a coffee shop that I know of that essentially have aligned, they do something really similar to what we do, which is um, aligning everyday business practices with doing something good in the world. And so there's an organization, for example, that you can give a water to. So I, this, I'm just giving a very specific coffee shop example, but for every coffee purchased at this coffee shop, they give access to one day's access to clean drinking water in I think this one is, was it in Kenya or was it in um, Cambodia? I can't quite remember exactly the location, but they told a story about that. So when, and it was printed on the coffee cup and they had little flyers in the coffee shop. So it was like, when you purchased this coffee, did you know you've just given one day of access of clean drinking water to this company, to this, sorry, company, to this child in a developing country? So if I'm walking along the street and there's two coffee shops beside each other, one of them has this amazing social impact. The other one is just a coffee shop. Like, which one am I going to choose? Oh, and it's interesting the different ways that you can do that and do that online as well. Um, and honestly, it's so cheap to do that. It's, it costs one cent a day. So for mm. every coffee you sell, one cent goes towards one cent to, to give a child access to clean drinking water. So, you, can you know. You could do three days. You could do a week. Um, yeah. I'm getting carried away here. Um, right. Uh, oh, lots of questions. Um, oh, an interesting question from Mamu to ask about um, having a cohesive message when you have a varied customer base. Because I guess um, if you're thinking about disruption, uh, in engaging with varied customers. Uh, yes, we don't know the sector, do we, by chance? No, no. We're just assuming. I don't I mean, have the sector on here. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, so different customer bases. So this is a really good point. You may have, how I would do this is I would do it campaign specific. So again, it depends on the size of your business. But the first example that comes to mind is when we're working with multiple customer avatars, so multiple audiences, you might have different messaging for each of them because it's going to resonate differently, right? So um, that would come down to the way that you run a campaign. So if, if, if you're doing some kind of advertising, this can be done really easily with you know LinkedIn ads or Facebook ads or even Google ads that you display this specific message to this specific demographic. You know, if we think about the Singapore Red Cross example that I used in the presentation, obviously that was aimed at Gen Z. Would it also relate to, you know, um, an older generation? Maybe, but they might choose to use different um, celebrities in that campaign, for example. So what we would do with advertising, or what you would do with your advertising, is you would dice up how you're putting that message in front of people by demographic. That would be the best example I would use is if you're worried about individual demographics is that you will, you can absolutely have different messages that go to that different audience and you just do that through mm -hmm. ads. 
Oh, yes, brilliant. Um, oh, I think we've probably got time for one, maybe two more questions. There's quite a lot. Um, it's been so interesting today. Um, this one, I think, is really um, is a really interesting one, is saying, uh, because you've got a couple on this topic about competitors. It says, can you be disruptive by directly comparing your products against your competitor brands? We have a product which has better USPs. It's a food product, so better nutritional values than our competitors. But should we be calling them out on social? Would love to hear your thoughts. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love the idea of this. I think you do need to be cautious with trademark, obviously, um, and, you know, def uh, defamation. I would look at, you know, what's possible. I believe, and please don't quote me on this, seek legal advice, but I believe that if that's an actually true statement that can be proven, you actually can do it. So you might recall over the last couple of months, there have been some campaigns, you see it on TV ads, um, comparing, you know, like Tesco's to Sainsbury's or like, and they say, you know, this is what we're able to do. And they really just say, if you buy from them, it costs this much. If you buy from us, it costs this much. Like, and they blatantly call them out on their pricing. So I believe the way that they get away with that is through, um, it's actually a true statement that can be proven. But I think you probably need some kind of legal advice on whether that's possible for your industry with your competitors, et cetera, et cetera. But I do like the idea of it. Um, and I, I guess I would question, is there a way to do that? without specifically mentioning them. For example, you know, nine out of 10 agencies in this industry do this, we do this or whatever, to maybe just mm -hmm. differentiate yourself would be the- Yeah, the, the, refer to them without actually saying who they are. Right. Um, yeah, I mean- that the advert that says, here's the, here's the branded one, it's really great. And here's our one, it's really great too, but here's the price. Yeah. So they never actually say anything bad. But yeah. Then, Right. Price. But if you're differentiating on another aspect, I guess it's kind of having a think through how you can do that, how you can do that legally but and ethically as well. Um, but also, you know, kind of point out it's, there's nothing wrong with them um, blowing your own trumpet, saying when you're brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Shout, shout about it. Oh, I think we're going to have to stop. I've just noticed the time. Um, lots of last questions. What I can suggest is that if you have further questions, please do send them into hello at smallbusinessbritain.uk and we will pass them on to Stacey and, uh, and get an answer to your questions. We absolutely promise. Uh, so please do stay in touch. Send us through your questions. Um, I just want to say a massive thank you to Stacey <laughs> for, um, for what a great workshop today. It's been really, really super interesting. Thank you very much for leading us through. It's been, you know, I'm feeling quite disruptive myself now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, Robinson Bridget, you guys are doing some amazing disruptive work. I love it. Um, <laughs> I, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been amazing. And I'm sorry that we have such a short amount of time, but hopefully every one of us on this call can take one of those four elements and implement it in some way. I really look forward to hearing from you. If you. So when you go forward and make these changes, let us know. Do get in touch. Tell us uh, how you've been disruptive and how you've made changes to your brand. We'd love to hear about that. Please do join us for, we have more workshops. Um, uh, Skills for Tomorrow has lots and lots of stuff going on, as well as, of course, the Small Business Britain workshops. You can find them on uh, bt.com forward dash skills for tomorrow. You can find out lots of things on this. In fact, you can share your great experience with this on social media with hashtag skills for tomorrow uh, and we will be back uh, we're in fact back next week talking about cyber security so um, do sign up for that that's going to be really really super interesting we look forward to seeing you all very soon have a great day take care and uh, look after yourselves and be disruptive <laughs> take care bye bye thank you very much for everybody for tuning into today's episode on disruptive marketing I hope you enjoyed listening to and hearing about some of the 
really intriguing and interesting ways that some of these brands are capturing the attention of their audiences. I want to say a huge thank you to Small Business Britain and to BT for their Skills for Tomorrow campaign for the invitation to appear on this webinar. I thoroughly enjoyed being here today and really look forward to future collaborations with you all. See you soon.